You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Wolcaster. That's not true. Greetings, exalted ones, and welcome back to the final Book of Boba Fett reaction chat brought to you by those scuggholes over at fanfatracks.com. Before we go any further, this is a spoiler-filled discussion, so if you haven't seen Chapter 7 of the Book of Boba Fett yet, then you may want to pause this podcast and come back once you have. You have been warned. So, if you remember, in a jam-packed Chapter 6, from the desert comes a stranger... We caught up with Marshall Cobb Vanth of a newly renamed Freetown as he starts his own one-man war against the Pike Syndicate. Mando travels to an unknown planet where he's met by Ahsoka and passed on a set of chainmail Beskar armour for Grogu who was training with Luke Skywalker. But it became very apparent to both us the viewer and Master Luke that Grogu had such a strong attachment to Mando it became difficult for him to fully embrace for Jedi training. Returning to Tatooine, Mando joins Boba's Council of War and heads to Freetown to raise a garrison with the help of Cobb Vanth. After agreeing to aid Boba, Cobb Vanth and his deputy are gunned down by Cad Bane, who is sent by the Pike Syndicate to persuade Vanth not to take up arms against them. And in a double blow, two Pikes leave a cantona of explosives in the Sanctuary Club, killing everyone. Max Rebo's fate? Unknown. Back on the Jedi planet, Luke gave Grogu the chance to decide between setting aside his attachments for a Jedi life, or embracing them and returning to Din Djarin. What did the little guy goo do? <laughs> I thought it was funny in my head. So, that leads us nicely into Chapter 7, In the Name of Honor, with Robert Rodriguez returning for his third stab at directing The Book of Boba Fett. With a runtime of 58 minutes, this wraps up the seven-episode first season of The Book of Boba Fett. And to give us his first reactions, In the Name of Honor, is Mark Newbold. Mark, how's tricks? Tricks are good. Tricks are good. As I always say these days, insert audio clip of me saying everything's really busy and there's loads going on. But it feels like we're at the end of a little mini-era today with the end of this season, this first season of Book of Boba. And I've been saying this on here, and saying it on Fanthatracks, and saying it online, and people have kind of picked up on that. I don't know if there's going to be a second season, but it just feels like this is the start, not just a wrapped up one one shot in and out job. It yeah. feels like we're going to get more, especially after the end of this one. It's totally teed up so much. All is good. How about you, mate? I'm very well, buddy. Yeah, I'm very well. I, I was kind of uh, sat there thinking about it earlier on today. And, you know, first off about, I pretty much really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I was speaking to Karen on the way home and she was like, oh, what was the episode like? You know, no spoilers. And so I was like, well, to be honest, I think it was fairly predictable, but it was a decent episode, really. When I mean, and I think if you do sit back, you could pretty much guess quite easily what was probably going to happen in this episode to a degree. Yeah. You know, but what I was, I was thinking was actually... On one hand, I think you could almost just not return to a Book of Boba Fett, you know, named series, mm. because kind of where the story kind of almost finishes, that is a conclusion. And I think maybe that's what they've kind of done. We've kind of concluded his story to a degree, so that if they don't get a green light for season two, then it's kind of it's kind of left in a in a pretty solid state. I think Boba's initial kind of story arc from from his character perspective has kind of been completed by the end of this episode 
But, you know, in the general kind of Mando, Filoni, kind of like expanded universe kind of like verse of where we are now in Disney Plus streaming, it is set up stuff for season three and what have you. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of like where where things go. I mean, you know, would you like to see a second season of this or, or do you think, you know, one was really enough for what we got out of it in the end? Well, you make a good point in the sense that this has put Boba Fett back in the world, if you like, because... You know, everybody thought he was dead in the Sarlacc, and we we kind of we've kind of known for forty years that he got out somehow. Now we've actually seen how he got out and how he recuperated to a point, you know, and how he got himself back into being the demo of of Mos Espa and Tatooine and just being a, a player now. And we're going to skip around this episode like we always do. <laughs> yeah. By the end of this episode, thanks to Fennec Shand and her excellent assassin work, there's really no one in his way now. No. And I and I just love the thought of. You've gone through all this stuff. I mean, we've had seven episodes. The seventh episode was definitely a FET episode. The first four were definitely FET episodes. Chapters five and six were Star Wars episodes. Mm-hmm. That speaks to what you just said. In that, If they do more, it might not necessarily be the Book of Boba Fett season two. But I think we will get continuations of the storylines that have been set up here because you end, and again, bouncing around, you end this, the whole scenario, the whole storyline with FET in control of, of Mos Espa and, and generally Tatooine, you would imagine he has a good handle on most of it, and basically goes, I'm not sure if this is for me, which just felt, which just felt like, the, like the punchline at the end of a comedy sketch. It made me laugh out loud when he said that. I was like, oh, you're kidding me. We've gone through all this. You know, you've ridden a freaking rancor, for goodness sake. I put a tweet out the other day. Uh, where I basically said, does anybody else think the last chapter of Boba Fett season one will be the live action connect Star Wars we always dreamed of seeing but never got? And I said it half in jest, because yeah. like you'd said it, you know, kind of want to see him ride the Rancor. And it was literally Star Wars Connect come come to life, wasn't it? Absolutely, you know yeah. this whole chapter. Well, and, yeah. and do you know what? The funniest thing I said to um, I said to Phil Parker after I saw the episode, after I got wind that he had seen it, I was like, I tell you what, now's the time that Haslam put out a Rancor. You put out that Rancor with a Boba Fett mm. that can ride on the back of a Rancor or a Banffer. Totally. And then everyone's yeah. happy, you know? <laughs> it's just like... Totally agree. You, you know, are so right, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, so... Yeah. But hey, you know, what happens, what happened? But yeah, I mean, so... Yeah. I mean, so generally, I thought, you know, the, 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 the criticism that I had with this episode was, I think it's just a shortcoming possibly of maybe, like, again, like we said, maybe the TV budget, because the action always felt a little bit slightly small, but I think it's, I suppose it also depends upon what you're comparing it to, you know, because, yeah. you know, the problem is we're, we only really have those massive epic battles that we saw in the Clone Wars, really, as a kind of like a yardstick. And also, the, yeah. you know, the, the battles that we saw in Endor, for example. And that was, you know, that was fairly big, you know, and, and obviously a feature film kind of budget. Um, so, I'll, you know, there were parts where I was thinking, you know, but doesn't really feel like there's that many pikes and if you know if it was me in con- in control of those pikes i probably would have just shock and awed and just kind of got from you know just overwhelmed them with numbers rather than kind of drip feeding kind of 10 or 15 at a time really that would be my you you made a good point earlier and we were conversing before we sort of set up the time to record this you said something earlier about i'm paraphrasing what you said but you basically said do you think feloni's over his western phase now because really, this is very much a Western, isn't oh, it? This, yeah. The previous couple of episodes, they totally had that Western vibe. And I think the, the construction of this episode yeah. felt like it still sat within that template of 
yeah, bunkered up in the, you know, the, the you know, some relic of a building somewhere and everyone's coming in on them and it's the last stand, you know, Amanda and, and Fetter at one point are basically going to do a butch and Sundance and run out just the two of them. You know what I mean? It was that kind of fit until the, the mayor's assistant sort of stands up and comes up with his great idea. And as soon as he didn't read the pad, I just said to Ruth, Die Hard 3. Yeah. He hasn't read the placard, no. you know? It's that it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, there were so many little moments when, yeah, you're right, they telegraph certain things and you kind of, like, like the Rancor, you know, the, the whole entrance of the Rancor was just brilliant. Mm, just yeah. brilliant. When those, those um, sort of, Droid car. When he saw the scanner, I was like, "That looks like a droid car," but it wasn't. Of course, it was these great big sort of walking gun machines, um, which I'm sure have been seen before. I couldn't place them, but they they feel like they're familiar. They, they, I think they are very similar to the um, like some of the heavy artillery that you do see on the Battle of Geonosis, which I believe. Yeah, I'm just trying to think which side it would have been. It might have even been with Republic. You know, I can't remember. Um, Looking at our guide, obviously, uh, Sander does our guide, and he uh, noticed that they were called Scorpinek droids, okay. as Pelly called them, Scorpinek droids. Mm. So they've oh, not been seen before, but they're definitely inspired yeah. by stuff we've which, seen before. Which makes perfect sense, really. You know, you, yeah. you take old Republic tech and you refine it, and then, you know, somebody like the Pikes come along. I, I guess, you know, they've got a uh, close working relationship with a uh, Trade Federation, if it was a Trade Federation weapon. And, uh, yeah, they just nick it. And we had people kind of going, oh, just use the jetpack, just use the jetpack throughout the whole of the season. And then you, you don't just get one jetpack, you get two jetpacks. And yes. those guys know how to kind of fight. And what was really good about it was they they know how to kind of fight together as well it's like there was yes. a really strong synergy between them which i just thought was was awesome and you kind of think that's the kind of stuff that you probably you know you shouldn't really get that kind of level of uh synchronicity from two people who've only really met a couple of times it was, it was awesome hey this is daniel jose older and you are listening to fanta tracks that's a good observation though because i thought exactly the same they were covering each of the six and they seemed to know each of the styles and that, and clearly, you know, they had that little exchange about Manda's like you don't believe in that. Sorry, Bobber was like you don't believe in that rubbish, do you? And Manda's like, well, I do. Yeah, you know. And Manda's and Bob is like, well, I'm glad you do because otherwise you'd have gone. Yeah, exactly. so, you know, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for the long haul. If I die, then I die because that's the creed. That whole exchange was really cool. Um, but yeah, they they work really well together. And I'm so pleased you mentioned the jetpacks because that gave that gave us the chance to see. We know Mando can fight, and he's a smart fighter, and he kind of knows when to back off. Yeah. And there's a little bit, there was a moment here when that uh, Scorpionek droid had pretty much got him done. He he, think, he thought he was done again, mm. and it reminded me of season one with the mud horn. Yeah. When he's just there with the knife, and he's like, he just puts his head down like, I'm done, I'm done. And Grogu comes in and saves him. And it felt like a flashback to that moment because he, you know, he was there. He puts his arms in front of his face, like, I can't get away now. I'm I'm kind of screwed. And that best goal will protect him to a degree, but it wouldn't protect him from that. No. You know, and then again there's the save. You know, I think that's when the Rancor came in, wasn't it? So lots lots of cool bits. It was great to see Pelly again as well. Didn't expect to see her get involved so I know so that, much. that was pretty cool, just to see her actually getting kind of getting down and mucky. And you kind of expect, you know, any woman who's gonna shag a jow is gonna have a, a blaster <laughs> and is gonna be willing to fight for her town. So, you know, good on her. I thought that was awesome. And you know, obviously the whole Very true. the whole fun, I mean, the whole fun kind of like them running around with that kind of little kind of like uh uh, you know, kind of what's it called it, you know, droid pulled Wagon thingy, pheasant. Uh, oh yeah, you know, the little yeah, um, you know the thing. 
yeah. and everybody listening kind of is yes. going, oh, you know, you know, what I mean. you know. Yeah. I thought that was cool. But I mean, but I think the one thing for me um, was the Rancor thing probably would have been better if possibly we'd seen a bit of training because it, you know, we, we had that, it was episode three mm. or four where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to ride this rancor and then, uh, you know, have machete kind of saying, you know, it takes a lot of training and all that kind of stuff. And then cut to two episodes time. Um, when we had a lot of training of other people and, uh, mm. you know, you kind of think, well, maybe, you know, from a, a, a purely Boba centric storyline, maybe we possibly could have got a bit of Boba training to ride rancor a little bit. That could have been quite fun. That's true, but it did. It definitely, obviously, it spoke back to what the armorer said in chapter five. You know about oh, the the one that will kill the twenty and ride the mythosaur. That whole yeah, exchange. Yeah. So it, I think we said back on the reaction chat then. It like that feels like it's got to be fair. And Mando did get on the back of it and didn't last very no, long. He didn't, did he? You know, yeah. he's not a natural at this. I mean, he struggles with the blurg. So, but but fair to a point. I mean, of course, there was that moment when the thing hit. You know, when the rancor got hit. I think he got hit with the fire, didn't he? And lurch back mm. and. Fett lost his balance, but he didn't lose control of the Rancor. He just lost his balance and quite, quite obviously didn't have quite have time to, you know, activate the jetpack to sort of land better than he did. So all of that was fine in a sort of a combat scenario. But again, it's a, it's another throwback. It's a throwback to the holiday special, isn't it? When yeah. you first see Fett riding that creature, you know, it was just, that's the first time we ever saw Boba Fett was on the back of that thing. Uh, chronologically, I mean, we saw Empire before we saw that in the UK, but you know what I'm getting at, you know, and that to, to throw back to that was the really neat touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Rancor, I think, is probably for me the highlight of his episode because he had he had the whole mm. kind of King Kong thing of him kind of climbing up the tower and stuff, and obviously he wasn't swarmed by aeroplanes and tanks and stuff, but, you know, he got up there. And, you know, speaking of, like, uh, Mando's Beskar armor, it actually even protects it from the teeth of a rancor, which was just kind of yes. like pretty neat and that. And I just find it ironic that, um, you know, they talk about wanting to save a town and, and not wanting to kind of just, you know, the pikes are going to come and destroy it. And what do they do with a rancor? They absolutely level the place. I thought <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah. yeah, then actually at near the end when they're all walking through and they're all kind of like saluting like Boba and that and, you know, there's these old boys and that struggling to lift up these rocks and that and everybody's kind of thankful for him, you know, and, you know, which is kind of like nice. So it's mission accomplished. But yeah, it's it was great. I think just generally how they kind of set up everything. So they you had everybody kind of taken down, but then when they kind of came together, they kind of coalesced. And so mm. a bit like with Mando and Boba, you kind of saw it, saw it with the mods and the free towners who were kind of like helping each other. And Mando goes out and kind of like basically pulls back Cassantum uh, when he's kind of hit and stuff like that. So everybody's kind of got that overlapping armor, armor from like one another rather necessarily from the the Beskar, which I thought was yeah. kind kind of like a nice touch because you kind of have that that one little exchange between the mods and the free towners about like you know how the but some kind of like I can't remember what they said exactly. Some city folk and desert folk, yeah, sort of thing. exactly. And yeah. you kind of think, yeah, but really, technically speaking, you're all desert folk because you're on a desert planet in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like you're in the cosmopolitan kind of like center of like galaxy. So I thought it was quite yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's not like the difference between the Gungans and the Naboo, no, is it? No, exactly. Yeah. You know, they are they're closer, and I think that that kind of shows the fact that they kind of work together. And, and that was quite a nice little mini kind of story arc between the two girls, kind of. Getting getting it together and getting up yeah. onto the, the roof and kind of like, you know, uh, sniping those guys and stuff. But, I mean, you know, right near the top, I thought 
out of everything from from one interesting conversational point, which probably would possibly lead on to a second season, is that exchange between Boba and Fennec? Because mm. with Fennec, you kind of start to think that maybe she's she's pushing, she's you know she's feeling a little bit kind of held back, yeah, by Boba. And you can maybe possibly start. This could potentially be this the start of like the seed that finally sees Fennec later on try to overthrow Boba. That's that was my one take on that on that little scene. The only thing I thought about that, I totally agree because she did look irritated when he was sort of no, that that's not how we're going to do it. We're going to try this. We're going to try that. She wanted to go the more direct route, which of course at the end she had the scope to go off, and she you know she bails the mods out of their scenario when they're cornered by the Aquilish, and then she goes off and does what she does right at the very end, which I kind of thought would be Fett at the end, well, but it turned out it. to be Fett, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was awesome, and seeing the mayor get hung like he did was kind of like, again, you know, proper yeah. Western trope. But there's, yeah. it's the second time that I kind of almost think that Fennec was slightly more conspicuous by her absence because, you know, for most mm. of it, She's not there. And maybe she's not there because we've already seen just how good a shot she is. So if she was just up on, you know, on a rooftop, she would have taken out all those pikes at least. And that would have probably made it a lot less interesting. But also actually just thinking back, when Black Cassantin first takes on Boba in his kind of sleeping chamber, I think we all kind of take it for granted that actually, um, you know, she she's probably asleep as well at the other end of the palace and takes her longer to get ready, you know, into clothes and stuff to go and join the fight. But there's also part of me that kind of thinks, well, maybe this is all part of a bigger plan. And actually this is mm. Fennec on, on a real kind of like, you know, subtle level, trying to maybe find a way to kind of get Fett to do the hard work or the heavy lifting and clear out the gangs and stuff and, you know, make peace and then kind of maybe usurp him later on. But don't you think that, we both picked up, well, it was, it was, he said it, you know, maybe this isn't for me, but he's taken Moss Esper and Tatooine back. The people are clearly grateful that they're not going to become a spice planet like Kessel or anything like that, or just have this trash run through them the way they have. They've been protected by their Damo. They've probably not had that since Jabba. You know, Jabba was, was harsh, but it, it always read to me anyway, as sort of reading it, is that he was kind of fair he wasn't sadistic for the point of being no. sadistic, yeah, but you, you look at Bib Fortuna yeah. and you think he was just a fat, lazy shit, wasn't he? He didn't care. He he didn't really care well, about the people. Well, he didn't get it. He, I think he didn't no. get it. I think he kind of, he he just didn't kind of understand what Jabba was doing. He sees the spoils of and the high life of that, what Jabba's afforded, but doesn't actually see or understand yeah. what's going on behind what uh, Jabba's doing. Sorry. Yeah. Over, but over. No, no, no. That's a, that's a great point. What I'm thinking now is if they do push on to season two or this storyline, because goodness knows season two Mando storylines came into Book of Boba Fett. So why mm. couldn't a season one Book of Boba Fett storyline well, turn up in one of the other exactly, shows? Exactly. Yeah. Is that Fett does say to Fennec, look, this ain't for me, but it probably is for you. Yeah. Do you want to become the Damo of Tatooine? We've sorted this out. We've agreed to work together. There's no life debt here they've thrown their lot in with each other by choice but if Fett says to her you know you run this okay I'll run that I don't know I'm just spitballing but it just feels well, like there could be something yeah, in that exactly yeah I mean remember that that meal scene they had 
and like mm. she's there kind of like you know enjoy it enjoy the, enjoy enjoy the, the spoils, spoils and, yeah. and he's like yeah. now nah, this you know I'm alright love you know if you want to get fat then off you go but it yeah. very, very yeah. possibly could be for everything in one location daily news reviews interviews podcasts video and social media feeds bookmark fanthatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7 365 We've kind of seen this full story arc of Boba, you know, where he's kind of realised that there's more to life and hunting and stuff like that. Mm. But you also wonder if he could just stay or if he's going to get restless. Well, one of the thoughts that occurs is that he settles that big score with Cad Bane. Yeah. I didn't I didn't really expect that to happen in no. this episode. I'm I'm glad it did because we know as longer viewers that there's a big history mm-hmm. between Cad Bane and Boba Fett. Newer viewers will just go, wow, last week everyone was going nuts about this cool and new now he's dead. sort of gu- gunslinger <laughs> guy, and now he's been run through with a gaffy stick, yeah. And and he had Fett banged to rights, and, and, you know, it was cleverly played that it looked like Fett was done when he knocks the helmet off, and Fett, Fett almost looked like he was done. Yeah. And that felt like the lure to, to Cad Bane, because then all of a sudden Fett gets the upper hand with a gaffy stick and doesn't mess around, just finishes him. I'm just wondering, because... This episode was the one where we really did. We had, we've had moments, no doubt we've had moments, but this really felt like, not that it matters because this is a new guy. We've said this so many times on the show. He is, after his experience, is a new guy essentially, but this felt like the old fighting fet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I just get the feeling that he enjoyed being that guy again. Yeah, Even though he's changed, his morals have clearly changed, his MO has changed. Nobody in that town would have gone within a mile of Fett. And you can't tell me that all of them don't know who he is. He was Boba freaking Fett. And they live in Tat- on Tatooine where Jabba the Hutt was based. They're going to know who Fett is. They, you know, it's, it's an infam- he's, they, he would be as infamous to them as oh, the Cray twins are to us. You know, he's like a legendary under, underworld character. Yeah. So they would, they'd be aware of him. But it just felt like something had got reignited. Yeah, today. I think so. And it was... There's that quite fit-in kind of, I suppose, duality in, res- in respects that Cad Bane brings up Django, and then you find that mm. both Django and Cad Bane end up dead in the sand, you know? Um, yeah. So that was quite cool. And Yeah, I mean, it's smart moves, actually. You know, the, the choreography overall in this series for me hasn't really set my world alight. None of the fight scenes are really kind of, for me, felt like they've come together, but... That last bit with a gaffy stick felt like the slickest I think we've seen, and I think they they must have spent a yeah. bit of extra time to make sure that it it felt like it was, you know, there was no other option of that. And you know, you know, fair play to him because it's not like you, they they shied away from showing him getting impaled on the gaffy stick, which is cool. No blood, mind you, but um, hey ho, you know, we can't have everything, I suppose. We can't have everything, but it did feel like this episode was one of those that that had a bit of everything. You know, yeah. at the end with Mando and Grogu, you know, Grogu turning up in Red 5 was lovely. That was fantastic. That shot flying over mm. over um, Mos Eisley was great when obviously it lands at Pelly's uh, docking bay. That was fantastic. And obviously I would imagine most people, me included, kind of expected Luke's head to pop out. But no, there's R2's flown in there. There's Grogu in the cockpit. So that was really nicely done. And taking him to Pelly as well was a nice touch because obviously you knew that she kind of cared. Uh, cared about the little green guy so that was well played all of that was well done uh, and bringing him into the story the re- the reunion between Grogu and Mando uh, Mando Mando was really nicely done when they're on the back of the you know of the the sort of the little uh, rolling 
car yeah. taxi thing, whatever it's called. I mean, it's, it, that, it was a bit of an understated moment, considering what you were yeah. probably expecting, I think. Yeah, it was just, it was nicely, no, it was nicely played. It was nicely played, considering they're in the middle of this massive sort of brawl, you know, and, and Mando's clearly, as much as he's ever going to give away, thrilled to see Grogu, and Grogu was thrilled to be back with him. And it's neat from a story point of view as well. It felt like another clever episode in that they've satisfied the plot threads from what we've seen in the previous sort of six and a half episodes. But then they've also teed us up for what's coming next. And of course, we've got to remember as Star Wars fans, what's coming next is nothing to do with this time period, really. It's going to be Kenobi, which is, you know, 10 years before Star Wars. It's going to be Andor. That's five years before Star Wars. It's Bad Batch. That's not that long after the end of the Clone Wars. We've got all of them before we get season three of, of The Mandalorian, which exactly. will presumably continue this. So we've got a bit of a wait now, haven't we? We have. And that's the thing, obviously, the way they've left it with uh, Mando and Grogu in the N1, you know, they, they have no, there's no mission. They haven't been sent on a quest like they were at the end of season one of Mando. Um, yeah. You know, so that it's kind of like it, it can go anywhere. Um, and obviously now we, we know that Grogu is going to stay with, Mandalorian and so that that's not I don't think going to be in question for any time soon um you know I was I was kind of almost expecting that at the end like of a for final post credit end scene other than I didn't get my banthers and my baby banthers maiden and all that stuff um that's true uh was possibly just like a like a Moff Gideon kind of cameo type scene or something mm. I just kind of yeah. thought that maybe they could have they might have set something up like a big bad or another big bad for for season three, but they they haven't done that. You know, the only thing they did was they they gave confirmation that Cobb Vamp is uh we you know is still alive to a degree and obviously going to probably end up with a I guess a, a metal shoulder or a metal arm or something. You know, a cyborg arm. Yeah. You know, so yeah, um, that was fine. That was fine. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad we saw that. I'm you know the the weak weight guy, uh, Tanty sort of said yeah. that you know he was gunned down and made it feel like he was dead, but. I don't think any of us really nah. thought that, you know. We've seen enough online this week, freeze frame shots of him getting hit in the shoulder. That's not going to kill him. So we sort of knew that wasn't the case. And, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess it would have been cool to have had a post-credit sequence. Um, and, and you know, that reveal of Luke was so just nuke going off in the fandom last year or back end of the year before yeah. when, you know, at the end of season two, Mando, to, to try and match that would have been near impossible. Mm, exactly. You know, yeah. there's only two other characters that could have introduced that they could have hoped to match that. And it's it's that sort of five years after Jedi solo character or a five years after Jedi Leia. Talked about it on making tracks last well couple of days ago. Don't think we're quite there yet for the for the Leia version of that happening. Hopefully one day, but not yet. And solo, it was a lot of rumors, a lot of scuttlebutt. I'm kind of glad Me now too. and the scheme of things that it didn't happen. Yeah. Save that for another day if you're going to do it. Well, exactly. And also I think if they try to do it at the end of the season, then it just kind of, it feels like you were just trying to almost yeah. you know, match, if not surpass Mandalorian. Yeah. And at least for me anyway, I think, I don't think anybody, unless it was probably Darth Vader or Darth Rick and Maul coming back at the end of this season, there was, you know, was anything going to surpass probably how we felt when we saw Luke that last time, I just don't think that's that's likely. I think that's one of those things, a bit like the yeah. the end of that first ever chapter of Mandalorian. It's just one of those reveals that once you've done it, you basically mm-hmm. I don't think you can do it again without people you know feeling like it's just a just a comparison and maybe a yeah. a, 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 a lesser one at that. But you know that being said, 
I, you know, I felt satisfied, I think, with this ending. And, you know, uh, it it kind of wrapped stuff up. Um, I kind of actually, even by the end of it, didn't mind the mods so much, really. Um, They they, they kind of, bizarrely, the more you kind of, yeah, the more you kind of watch them, the more you accept them in the environment. And I think that's just one of those kind of things with Star Wars. It's actually because you can kind of go, well, there's nothing about them that isn't Star Wars, really. Okay, maybe the scooters, maybe. Um, but like in <laughs> yeah. them as a character design, really, if there's nothing about them that isn't, it's just like they just looked so out of place because we're used to just you know desert farmers and and kind of wraiths and strays and in, in Tatooine. So seeing somebody completely different kind of doesn't work. But then you start to look at some of the actual more character designs, and you can go, well, I can see where you would fit in in a different planet, and that's the whole point. So. I think by the end of it, and the fact they they could all shoot pretty well, you know. I mean, most of them did actually bite the bullet in the end, but um, the fact that you know some of them survived and seemed to be decent shots and stuff, and with pokey little blasters, uh, I thought was pretty good. So I mean, generally, it it, it wasn't. I, I suppose that's the thing. We've just had like a season two ending of The Mandalorian, which was like mind blown, and we've had lots of revelations and that all along. So to have something a little bit more kind of meaty in respects of like it's just a steady kind of like gritty kind of feel, it is going to make you, in fairness, feel satisfied, but not necessarily like you've just spent, you know, your load and you're just kind of recovering for for five minutes. It's a a different kind of vibe, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this isn't as good as anything that's come before, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, yeah, they they could sort of be chasing the tail by trying to up what they did at the end of season two Mando, for example. I think they did that in their last two episodes within the Book of Boba Fett. So this episode was, let's tie off all these plot threads. You know, Fett has been betrayed by the other sort of gang leaders within the city. That's now dealt with. The Pikes in this part of the galaxy, certainly, you know, the Okani sector, this region of space, they're dealt with. We know the huts are in play again because you saw the twins, the cousins. So that's sort of that's out there now. Fett's not really contested anymore. He knows the truth of the Tuscan massacre. So it, you know, there's lots of little things that got resolved in this one. But again, like you say, feels teed up to push forward. And you're right about the mods. I wasn't madly keen on them. I, I, you know, it, it didn't really light my fire. But I never felt like they didn't really belong. Because it's like you say, it's a Star Wars galaxy, you know, look back to the cantina in 77 and look at the eclectic mix of characters in there. You know, why would a stick insect look right next to a wolf yeah, sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, totally. So, so, you know, so we've always had that, but uh, they definitely put their, they put their necks on the line. I mean, Cassantan did a shift. Yeah. I thought he wasn't going to, when the Trandoshans attacked, I thought he's done. Yeah. You know, and then he come walking around the corner and then the sniper started popping shots and I thought, oh, no, he's, now he's done. You know, and then he gets hit by that, um, Scorponek droid. I thought, now he's done. And he kept going. So he's just a beast, isn't he? So that that was good. That's a proper tank character. So I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. that, you know. And I really hope that we see more of him. I hope that's not just he's done his bit and off he goes yeah, somewhere else. I and, think he's I think know. he'll be a returning character. I mean, he is possibly a little bit OP 
I think, you know, he's, yeah. I mean, yeah. because he he did take a lot. And I just think there were some convenient blaster hits all to those, sh- uh, those shoulder pauldrons where he's got like quite a few. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. he's a big guy. So to just get the same area, like, so, like, you know, so often just felt a little bit convenient. But, you know, it did. you it know, did. but hey, I mean, yeah, he's he's cool. So hopefully, you know, we, we see him again. I mean, and that's the thing. Somebody like him will probably just, you know, will get paid or whatever by him by Boba and might just be on his way and we might yeah, job by job yeah, yeah. exactly just go and yeah. see him he'd be a job in Bounty Hunter and so we probably could you know run into him in the book of Boba Fett oh sorry in, the, in Mandalorian season 3 and that might yeah. actually be he is you know he is working for uh, like Moff Gideon or somebody else against Din Djarin and and it will be that whole kind of thing that we've kind of talked about all along which is like it's just business it's nothing personal and I want to get paid it could well be. I mean, they certainly left this episode or this season rather on a on a lighter note. I mean, you know, the, the end sequence with the yeah. fruit. You know, oh, where's my fruit? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of a, like a classic Star Trek episode in the sixties when Cox, uh, cock, when Spock, Kirk, and McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> all of the, yeah, I'll leave that in. When they all have that, you know, the little silly joke at Spock's expense, you know, and raised his eyebrow because he didn't get the joke, and then the camera pans off and they're <laughs> yeah, all yeah. laughing, belly laughing. Yeah. And um, and it was a bit like that. And then of course the bit with with the um, you know Mando and Grogu in the in the N one, do it again, do it again, sort yeah. of thing. It was lighthearted. It was cute, but it wasn't the ending I expected. And then, as you say, you know, the the post credit, as such as it was with Cobb Vanth, wasn't unexpected. The fact that you know, yeah, it's probably screwed his arm up so let's replace the arm that that didn't surprise me at all hi this is george man and you're listening to Fanta tracks so what do you th- what do you think's next then what do you what what's your gut feeling for what we're going to get next from this sort of plot thread timeline moving forward with mando season three i mean we i feel like we haven't really had uh, a satisfying conclusion to both katan mm-hmm. storyline mm-hmm. and the whole kind of mandalore storyline or arc i should say um i and i feel partly because he's talked about it but um you know G- giancarlo esposito is coming back as moff gideon at some point so i you know we assume we're going to see that but i suppose also the question is what comes first that or ahsoka um you know uh, and i guess it's going to be mando season three but it could be ahsoka which could mean that yeah we're uh we're on the hunt for grand animal fraud it's uh it's um it's frustratingly exciting to not have all these kind of release dates lined up you know like with sometimes with like marvel you know when the next marvel film's going to come out so it's like you you build up to the next one and then you build up to the next one but it's quite nice not really knowing actually because it it means that it is kind of held back and it's a bit more exciting but what do you think what's your thoughts i think that you make a great point there and i sometimes think these release dates is more for the stockholders and shareholders than it is for the fans sometimes yeah, it, I yeah. think so. Just a bit of reassurance. That's it. Yeah, yeah, because it is nice to be surprised that we get a celebration or New York Comic Con or San Diego or whatever, and somebody gets up and does a panel and goes, "Oh, by the way, next month, season three, Mandalorian." The room goes nuts. You know, room H at, at San Diego goes crazy or whatever yeah. it might be. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I think I agree. I think you've got to resolve what happened on board the light cruiser at the end of season two after Luke has gone with R two and Grogu. We've got to kind of return to that moment. There's got to be some exchange. They've got to address the issue of the Darksaber because you know that Gideon's there. He's going to be poking and prodding yeah. and just trying to cause mischief because that's just him. We've got to work around Cara Dune situation, which is a tricky one because real world encroaches on that. 
could just be a line, couldn't it? Just a line of dialogue. I don't know. They go back and they find um, Mayfeld, for instance, and then he kind of goes, "Oh, where's that Marshall that you're hanging around with?" And then Dinjan, all he needs to say is, "You know, she's tied up on Navarro doing Marshally mm. type stuff." Yeah, you, you are right to degree. It probably does need to have some kind of in-story resolution yeah. just to kind of tie it up. And then I suppose it's done. I mean, even if it just goes, she's dead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they, they um, had that whole yeah. thing on, in that episode when a gun kept jamming, just kept banging the gun on the floor. And I'm thinking, that's going to yeah. go off in her face one day. This is before we knew <laughs> all this business had happened sort of thing. Yeah. And also Mando and Grogu, you know, for the first two seasons of Mandalorian, the first season we're, we're learning about this new world, but you know yeah, that, exactly. that Grogu's wanted by Gideon, and Gideon only really comes into it near the end of season one. And then season two, mm-hmm. he's the he's the present, you know, the ever present threat, and he gets Grogu and he loses Grogu, and now Grogu's back with Mando, and clearly made his decision to pick the chainmail over the lightsaber. Well, yeah, there's got to be some sort of addressing of that from Luke's point of view because he's just setting up that temple that we see destroyed in Last Jedi. So there's there's elements there that need at least looking at. And the great thing is, even though this isn't the Book of Skywalker or anything like that, we, we know that we can hop to those storylines within the broader framework of other shows because it's exactly like you said the other week. It's like, but it's all Star Wars. Where else are they yeah. going to show us these things? You know, whilst we've got this platform to show stories, we don't need much of an excuse. Let's do it. So I think that needs touching on. And also, what are Grogu and Mando going to do next? It feels like what the armorer was talking about in chapter five of Book of Boba, that's going to be addressed again. You know, he's now no longer a Mandalorian, essentially. He's got to regain his honor. Yeah, this whole thing about going back yeah. to the mines of, of Mandalore and all that sort of stuff. So maybe that's the quest that they go on in season three. But again, it's like you said, Ahsoka is clearly on the hunt for Grand Admiral Thrawn, who feels to me like he's going to become the Thanos of the Star Wars galaxy, certainly on television, as the big player that's going to cause the most trouble. Maybe that's the team upcoming, is that they've got to deal with him. If he's involved, Ezra's involved, you're folding in Rebels characters. So it really does start to escalate in terms of scope. Whatever they, Wherever they take us, I'm totally ready for it. Me too, actually, to be fair. I think whatever happens, whatever comes next, we'll be ready for it. And hopefully there will be a Making Tracks reaction chat so we can talk all about it. But I think, for now, that's all we have time for for tonight. But I'm sure the uh, Book of Boba Fett conversation will spill over into episodes of Making Tracks in the coming weeks. So uh, thank you very much for listening. But if you want to send us a question, comment, reaction or theory, you're more than welcome to. Uh, We'll read them out on the next episode of Making Tracks. So, Mark, could you be so kind to let the good listener know how they can get in touch? The good listener? Just the one? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, the singular (laughs) one. Thank you, whoever you are. Uh, If you want to be part of the action and stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit fanthatracks.com or check out the free... Grogu! Fanthatracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at fanthatracks.com. Absolutely. Questions, thoughts, queries, theories, anything you've got, send them to us we'll talk about it. Comment, like and share on any of our social media feeds at Fanthatrax and be sure to subscribe, leave a review preferably a 5 star one on Amazon Music Audible, Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts, Spotify or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice and as always thanks to James Semple for composing the Fanthatrax intro, Adam O'Brien for our making tracks opening music and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers and at least for now for making tracks reaction chats, that's me done. Brilliant I will catch up with you very soon my yeah. friend so we can have is it episode 127 of making exactly tracks exactly that I think it 127 is. yeah 
127. So that's next. So that will be dropping next week onto your streams on a Tuesday. But until then, everybody else, take care, stay safe, and may the force be with you. Coming up next on Fantha Tracks Radio, it's Desert Planet Discs.